Hi, I'm Emma. And I'm Annie. Welcome to another episode of Limelight, the Falcon Film Podcast. Today we are going to be talking about action films, action films, you know, other subgenres of action. And we have a very special guest with us today. Give it up for Santi, who's also the news editor on The Falcon. Thanks for joining us today, Santi. Thank you, Annie, for such a lovely introduction. Hello. I'm very excited (laughs) to talk about action movies. Uh, Half of them are animated. Let's go. (laughs) Oh, so there are so many good animated action movies out there that get overlooked all the time. And so I'm glad that that we're going to be shining some light and giving some of those the the attention that they deserve yeah for sure i i i think some 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 of the best some of the best action movies are animated so you know there's some just great variety there that i really love absolutely absolutely i think that one of my favorites is probably the incredibles that's one of my favorite animated action movies and i think i think it's just really relatable well, not in the sense of, you know, everyone's a superhero because, you know, I, I'm not a superhero. Um, but <laughs> really, surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah, I know that probably comes as a shock to I everyone. No but, you know, um, I think just the aspect of, you know, this man who kind of feels stuck in a sense, you know, when Mr. Incredible is forced to kind of hang up his cape. Um, and just go about the world like a normal citizen. He feels like his purpose in life isn't being fulfilled. He wants to help people, but he also is kind of looking for that sense of self-worth. And I think that that's really relatable to, I'm sure, a lot of us where sometimes you just feel stuck in a rut and you're like, how how do I get out of this? I want to learn to kind of love and appreciate myself again even though I might be a different person than I used to be yeah you know and of course Mm -hmm. you know Mr. Incredibles (laughs) sense of self-worth comes from battling this enormous you know man killing robot and you know (laughs) some of us might you know not necessarily look for it in a place like that but I think yeah I, I really like that movie because I find a lot of I guess relevant themes and motifs in that movie specifically kind of surrounding Mm -hmm. Mr. Incredible so yeah yeah also I think kind of to that but like in a slightly different way it's also kind of grounded in in my opinion this very real feeling like family like dynamic like everything's going on like while you know it's you know this animated movie with like you know heightened action Mm -hmm. and all of that like you still yeah. like grounding it, you have both like those feelings and then this whole like family that they have their own like real issues, even though some of that <laughs> again is still heightened by yeah. obviously the fact that they all have superpowers, which makes things even worse for them sometimes. Yeah. But yeah. That just there's that infinite. Oh, real. go ahead. Sorry. Yes. I was just gonna say it's still it's still able to feel real in that own way and keep it grounded. Definitely. I mean, there's that one scene where they're at the dinner table and Mr. Incredible like accidentally breaks a plate because he's trying to cut some food and then Violet and Dash like start going at it. And then Mr. Incredible lifts up the table and 
Elastigirl's like trying to pull the you know the the kids apart, and Jack uh-huh. Jack is just sitting there like <laughs> you know. And I feel like that's, that's and then one Frozone of the... like yeah. Okay. No, you're yeah, good. Just, Go for it. I right. feel like that's one of the strengths of animated movies, and I feel like they can really tell stories really differently because they can still have those grounded themes of like family and just you know siblings fighting and like you said coming into your own and like being okay with yourself and finding self worth. But like Emma said, there's still this grander story of like you know, action and, and man killing robots, but you still get a narrative. You still get a message that you yeah. can't tell with like real people that don't have superpowers. Right. Super cool. And on that note, actually, um, uh, I think his name was Syndrome, the, the villain of that movie. Oh, um, That's actually yep. a great example of like modern day parasitic kind of parasocial relationships where he's super obsessed with with mr incredible but he has no idea who who syndrome is and he just has like this like that's his entire motivation essentially is like you had no idea who i was but you were like you know and like that's just how things are nowadays too with celebrities yeah that's 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 honestly a really good point (laughs) yeah i hadn't entirely thought about that before but yeah i mean i think the idea of motivation is very important and crucial in a good action film you know whether you're you know trying to go find something that's been lost for forever in a film like indiana jones raiders of the lost ark or atlantis which is another great animated kind of action adventure film or you're (laughs) trying to save the world from some sort of evil or you know whatever it might be i feel like the antagonist and protagonist both have to have an equal motivation although those motivations are typically pretty opposite because it's often you know the protagonist and the antagonist kind of button heads with each other over kind of a difference of motivation but I feel like every good action movie has to have some sense of purpose or some driving force behind the characters because if they're not you know inspired or impassioned about something then what where does the action come from you know if they're not willing to fight about something or defend somebody that they love it's not really it just falls really flat as an action film so I think that some of the best action films have a really strong and just really present kind of sense of purpose and motivation that really makes them more watchable and more enticing. Yeah, absolutely. On that note, Megamind. <laughs> <laughs> I told you guys I'd be talking about this. I love this movie. On, on the note of it's motivation. It's so good. I haven't um, seen it. Really? I, I, I want to see it, but I haven't yet. Yeah, honestly, it's really I feel good. Like it's it's really good and it's it's underrated. Like Everyone you talk to is going to say that they like Megamind, but I feel like it doesn't get the attention publicly that it should. Um, but on that note of motivation, at the very start, they, they kind of explain Megamind and Metro Man's backstories. Um, and Metro Man in this movie, and uh, Emma, since you haven't seen it, is like the Superman. Okay. He's like, everyone loves him. Um, they have like a huge statue of him and stuff. But the Megamind and Metro Man are both aliens that like come down to Earth. But uh, Metro Man's like pod that he's in bumps megamind out of the way because he was about to land in like this big old mansion and so megamind ends up in a prison and so megamind is raised by criminals which is why he's evil like he's he's evil because he just lands but completely by accident into this prison and they teach him that good things are bad and bad things are good 
And then Metroman has this really lavish and really like, you know, rich life, quote unquote. Um, but, you know, at the end of the movie, Megamind uh, kind of comes into his own and, and has this sort of really interesting character arc. And in that movie as well, it's just the motivation of both of, of every character, uh, of Megamind being a protagonist that kind of starts as an antagonist, sort of, but not really. Um, his motivation isn't necessarily like he is evil. It's more he has no sense of purpose and he finds that at yeah. the end. I think that's really cool. Yeah, he's like the ultimate anti-hero where you want to root for him, but he doesn't have any qualities that, you know, the the normal hero would. So, and also the soundtrack in oh, yeah. Megamind is so good. You know, it's everything from Guns N' Roses to ACDC to Michael Jackson, and that's all the stuff I was raised on. Um, so that's another draw and actually i mean on that note i think if you think about action films that have really strong musical accompaniment or soundtracks or theme songs or whatever it might be you know if we're if we're talking about like a film series with a killer theme song i think that all of us would probably think of pirates of the pirates of the caribbean or pirates of the caribbean you know however (laughs) you say it tomato tomato you know but Every time you hear that, you know, the intense, you know, piano music with the strings and there's all of this, you know, all you want to do is just hop on that pirate ship with Jack Sparrow and like go sail and find like some dead people or some treasure or whatever it might be, you know. And I think that, I mean, you know, not every action film is known for having a, a musical element, but I think that music is really exciting. And I think that action films are supposed to be exciting, you know, most of the time. There's always yeah. a few that are kind of, you know, not as exciting as others. But I think that music is a really easy way to get people excited about what they're watching. So I, I applaud action films that make good use of that, whether it be a score or a soundtrack. Okay, I can't, I can't think about music and action films without thinking about probably my favorite action movie or something that's at least action adjacent of all time um scott pilgrim versus the world that yes. i love that movie it is it it's absolutely ridiculous but i love it so much and that just made me um talking about it uses um music in a very different way than like yes. um as you're talking about like pirates <laughs> of the caribbean but it like it integrates it into the movie in just like so closely like I I love the music (laughs) in that movie and also like it integrates it into like you know the fight scenes with like you know the bass playing and everything I I can't even keep my thoughts straight on this movie because I just there's so much about it that I just really like and I think it's in a very different way but also like to the same point a really great example of just a movie in general like using its you know soundtrack and everything like super effectively like working it into the plot and you know those like fight scenes and everything so yeah and also with Scott Pilgrim with the sound effects too yes um for people who haven't seen Scott Pilgrim it's almost kind of as if a video game kind of came to life in a 3d way right in front of you 
And, you know, there's the sound effects, you know, if you lose a life or if you gain health points or you find, you know, coins or whatever, and it makes a little sound. Scott Pilgrim does a really great job of kind of incorporating those classic sounds, which just adds to the whole ambiance of the film. And that's really clever. Can we talk about the visuals too? Like I, that movie (laughs) made me very much fall in love with like movies that are like super stylized because it is like everything down to like, you know, the editing, the visuals, like you were talking about sound effects is very stylized to lean into this video game aesthetic. Um, Everything from like, you know, yeah, I mean, it also, because the origin of it, it originated as, I believe, a um, graphic novel that was also stylized in a similar way, but, you know, still, like, on the page, like, as a comic, and so it also, like, integrates those into, like, you know, text on a screen, um, like, I love, I believe this is also, because I've, I've read, I have read the graphic novel and the movie, like, there's a scene where it's, like, just going through, like their like apartment and just kind of like the funny like little descriptions that it has pointing to stuff and it just it feels very video game-esque in everything that it does and I don't know I just think that it's a really great example of like in any movie of like really using the visual medium and but also the genre like super effectively to create just really fun experience like that movie was so much fun for me to watch. No, yeah, Scott Pilgrim Definitely. is like a fever dream of a memory. I've, I've seen it once. I've seen it, saw it 10 years ago and I saw it in Spanish. So any mention of Scott Pilgrim or any sort of recollection of that movie because it's so stylized is always like, what even, is this real? Like this actually happened? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, that it's, also probably just speaks to like how iconic the movie is because the fact that you saw it so long ago and you saw it in a different language than it was made in and it still sticks with you yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i just there there were times when i was first watching it because i i again i didn't when i when i watched it i think like I, i've told you guys about before um i i did not know what to expect going in and so there were times i was just like what is going on here <laughs> but but like when i like got into it like it it was like I always talk about it, it's ridiculous, but in the best way. I think for me, another film that kind of comes across as kind of ridiculous, but also very specific in its, you know, visual effects and things is the Spy Kids series. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. My yes. Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, I remember renting those from Hollywood Video when I was a little kid you know I have a lot of memories associated with the Spy Kids franchise but I think that one of my favorite things about the Spy Kids films is that they really don't at least they don't appear to use a lot of CGI and digital effects it's a lot of you know over-the-top costumes and almost like claymation looking characters it's not claymation but that's kind of what it looks like and there's just a lot of really distinct visual elements in those films that I just will never forget because (laughs) they're so specific 
two spy kids i always think of like the the thumbs that like run around and you know what i mean yeah we all know what that means you know (laughs) it's been so long since i've seen that and yet i still remember those Um, there's there's that guy with all the faces too yeah i was like yeah Yeah. i I feel like that movie is like when you watch as a child it's like the the craziest thing you've ever seen oh yeah you go back to it i i kind of it kind of feels campy to me almost like going back (laughs) to it and watching it now yeah, it's, it's kind of in the same vein as like Shark Boy and Lava Girl, where I was just, just thinking that where where you you watch it now and you're like, I can see why I like this as a kid, and it has that sort of like yeah. nostalgic value. But you're like, wow, this isn't really all that good, like <laughs> as a as a functioning human being. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's also so funny because you know you have super famous actors like Antonio Banderas and. Uh, George Lopez and all of these, you know, people who are so famous and yet they choose to, to do these, you know, somewhat childish kind of films. So, yeah, I, that was just one that stuck out to those two, both Spy Kids and Shark Boy and Lava Girl were both very, I guess, fundamental films for me as a child. And they, they still stick with me. I mean, that's why I dyed my hair pink, because I wanted to have like my Lava Girl moment, you know, Um <laughs> Because that's that was just such a big film for me as a kid. So anyone who says that like action films are only for adults, you are wrong. That I think I watched true. Shark Boy and Love Girl at least 50 times. <laughs> because it, they would show it like every weekend on, on like Disney Channel or whatever. It was, yeah. on. It was like on so often. And every yeah. time you could see me glued to that screen, watching <laughs> the exact same thing over and over. It was amazing. And little baby Taylor Lautner, too, in Shark Boy and Love Girl. Oh, he was, a, I mean, you know, he still is pretty cute. But yeah, he was definitely, definitely on my radar as Shark Boy back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I never actually, I definitely, the, the, the Spy Kids, huge, huge part of my childhood. I never yeah. ended up watching um, Shark Boy and Love Girl, but I was what? like aware, I was aware of it yeah um, that's wild no I, I i don't know why we just we just never did you should watch it as an adult and then tell us what you think because i'd be um, yes i would love so to interested to hear I what mean, you have to say about it i've seen clips of it and like if anything that we t- talked about today is a fever dream that movie the impression yes. I get very much is there's a scene in that movie where Taylor Lautner just in a shark costume starts rapping and oh, dancing I've seen that. Yeah. to put the main character to sleep. Yep. And he starts giving him nightmares because he's just too edgy. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen that. Um that's hilarious. I just want to know who woke up one morning with someone on the production to be like, oh, I've got an idea. Let's let's make a film. About a boy who's half shark and a girl who lives in a volcano and some random boy and just have everything go, you know, to crap in the real world and see how they were. I just, you know, it's just so funny. I'm wondering who pitched the idea for this movie because on paper it probably sounded so bizarre, but visually and conceptually it's definitely one for the books. And weird weird connection here too. I, I don't actually remember... Like I remember that he falls asleep. The main character falls asleep. I don't remember what his name is, but he falls asleep and he like dreams up Shark Boy and Lava Girl, like they're part of his journal. Mm-hmm. And then they just randomly show up in the real world, like just out of nowhere when things start going south. And actually, yeah. that kind of reminds me of 
like when, when I thought of that, I was like, that's like really inceptiony. Like that's that's like dream within a dream kind of stuff, you know? <laughs> literally what a I was, connection. Literally, I was thinking about the same thing. I just didn't have the, you know, I, I didn't have the strength to pull off the segue. I got so, you. I good got for you. you. Well done, Santi. <laughs> How do we feel about inception? I love it. Oh man, it's a lot. It's definitely a film that is not for people who want to put something on that's mindless and just tune out. You know, you you have to pay attention to Inception. There's a lot to to talk about and a lot to unpack with that movie. Yeah, Nolan Nolan tends to to, to lean in that direction. He really does, you know, <laughs> really does. I, I I personally really enjoy. I I mean, in general, I I enjoy that. I don't know. Sometimes, I mean, if you're in the mood for it, I think it can be it can be really fun to like have to you know actually like think and kind of sit for a little bit after you've watched a movie and just like kind of like digest what happened. But yeah, I I really I really like Inception. I mean, like earlier we were talking about how like, you know, part of, you know, a lot of these movies is like in addition to, you know, kind of this like heightened action or like, you know, creative like, you know, plots like having um that like core motivation like through it like for the main character is really important and can yeah. be a really good opportunity for emotion. I think Inception also does a good job of this. Mm-hmm. Um, with its main character, um, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, Caprio, I cannot speak today. Um, <laughs> um, but that also, there's just, is a good example, in my opinion, of like how, like different ways to approach that kind of thing. Cause for him, kind of his whole core motivations and backstory is almost approached as more of like a mystery at first. And we kind of slowly like unravel as we get to know the character more. And I don't know, I just, I just think that is a, you know, really cool, like, story choice that I enjoy that really adds something else to the movie. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Nolan is a director that, I mean, story and narrative is, is so important in all of his movies. I think that one of my favorite Christopher Nolan action films, I guess this is like an action and a war film, but it's Dunkirk which Mm. is based on a, you know, a true scenario that happened during World War II. And, you know, I mean, talk about emotions, man. You know, you see these young, you know, military men kind of just sitting on this island. They're essentially sitting ducks. And all of them are like, are we going to die? Are we going to get off this island? We don't know what's happening. And they've just kind of completely lost, you know, all idea of control of their own destiny and their own life and this I mean the story and the narrative and the emotional kind of empathy that you have for those characters I think that that's very common in in war films in general but I think Dunkirk is one that really just comes to mind as that really tugs on your heartstrings and yeah Christopher Nolan action war whatever it is he's a lot of his films focus on that, which I think is really good. Yeah, and Inception is also a movie that you have you, you have more appreciation for the second time you watch it because mm-hmm. you, you mm-hmm. catch up the details of of what you didn't know before, and you come yes. back to it and you're like, wow, this is like this is so intentional. This is so <laughs> detailed and designed in a way to where it's it's not just random. It really is like very intentional. Yeah. 
Um, on the note of war movies, I wanted to talk about 1917. And also, <laughs> two other war movies. <laughs> uh, Fury and World War Z. Both of those have Brad Pitt, but we'll touch on those in a second. All of those are very different kinds yes. of war films. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's what I was about to say. I feel like okay. <laughs> actually it's just such a broad genre because yeah. you can have a, a film like 1917 that one is shot absolutely beautifully. Um, that movie's direction is just amazing. Shout out to Sam Mendes and Roger Deakins for the direction and the cinematography on yes, yes, that movie was such so visually nice to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and once you really analyze it that way, it's it's you have a lot of admiration for it. Yeah. I feel like with movies like Fury, uh, growing up, I don't know if you, your, your father's like this, but my father's obsessed with <laughs> world wars and just history in general. Mm-hmm. And so growing up, whenever one of those movies was on TV, like I was right there with him watching them. And it's just one of those things where you don't think about the implications of just, like you said, the hopelessness of just like young men who have no idea what's going yeah. on or what this is like and are kind of just forced out into these places. Um, and I think Fury does a really good job of that because sort of like the main character and like that crew, you know, the crew is like more accustomed to war and there's this one new recruit who's like being pushed to the absolute limit because he has to adapt quickly or else he'll just get killed. And that's, that's like horrifying to think about. Um, and it just, it just goes to show how wide and vast the action genre can really cover. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Tenet kind of mixes the two things we just talked Oof. about <laughs> being a movie that you have to really pay attention to and kind of try to piece together as you're watching it and a war movie. Uh, kind of it's it's more like action thriller sort of deal but at the, the, the it culminates in like a weird time reversing war it's super super crazy but uh one thing i like about that movie is the cast i think the cast for that movie is really interesting yeah <laughs> just just having robert pattinson as anything may automatically just spices things up just a little bit <laughs> um, he he has come a long way since the twilight franchise yes. I, I have to for stand sure. up for robert pattinson and just say that he yes he is much he is capable of much more than playing a vampire with sparkly skin i will just put that out there for anyone yes. any skeptics he's for, come a long way from everything i've heard um I think in general is a pretty safe assumption that any actor's performance in a Twilight movie is not exactly indicative of their true skill. <laughs> I would have to have to agree with that. Yes. And the protagonist for that for that movie, uh, John David Washington, is kind of on a roll. Oh, uh, I the, love him. I think he did a really good job in a what was it? I think it was called Black Clansman. Black Clansman, yep. Yes, he did a great yeah. job in that. And then Tenet, I thought he did a really good job too. And those are very distinct roles. So got to give credit to the man. I think if we're talking about iconic actors in uh, <laughs> in action films, I cannot let let this episode go by without mentioning Nicolas Cage in National Treasure. Yes. <laughs> I love this movie. Me too. And I think, yeah. I mean, and like kind of going back to what you were saying, Santi, about lovers of history or specific, you know, periods in in time. I am a very big U.S. history buff. And that film is so near and dear to my heart for that specific reason, because, you know, I watched that movie for the first time when I was probably in like elementary school. And there were just a lot of things that 
I had never learned or I'd never seen before. You know, you hear them, you know, talking about specific men or specific, you know, historical figures or, you know, things that Ben Franklin and like, I didn't know that Ben Franklin suggested daylight savings time. I had no idea who like, who silence do good was, which is, I think one of, it was someone's pseudonym. I don't know who, who it was, but someone, it was like a pen name and there, yeah, there's just a lot of (laughs) very iconic, both kind of references to historical moments for, of, you know, United States history, but also (laughs) Nicolas Cage and his acting performance in that film is just everything I didn't know I needed. (laughs) Talking about iconic actors, we have to talk about Al Pacino. Oh, wow. Um, Wow. The movie I'm thinking about is Serpico, 1973. That movie is so, so, it's, it's not that it's hard to watch. It just tackles so many themes. That like I mean, yeah. And if we're talking about like emotional action films, Al Pacino is the master of those between Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon, which is kind of social problem action film, I would say. Oof. Yeah. And just another one of those movies where you, you see parallels to today, even though it came out so long ago with um, kind of abuses in the police system and all that. Just yeah. Crazy, crazy stuff that they're able to portray through these Mm-hmm. bigger heads almost like you know Al Pacino with action movies are obviously on a different note but like Nicolas Cage as well in, in those <laughs> movies. they're just they're just staples of the genre for sure yeah I mean I think that's also something that is very prominent in the action film genre is that you have people like Nicolas Cage and Al Pacino but also you know you got Harrison Ford and you have Tom Cruise and all these guys who are kind of infamous in the action genre because they've done so much work in it all right friends it has come to that time of the episode where we do a little segment that we like to call weekly what to watch it's where each of us recommends a film that falls into this category that we think all of you should go out and see for yourselves and my movie of choice is spider-man into the spider-verse i think that If we're talking about, you know, action films that have a really strong narrative and it's in addition to being really exciting with amazing visuals, I think that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse kind of checks all of those boxes. You have Miles Morales, who is a biracial kid growing up in New York, and he's dealing with kind of family tension here and there but he's also a teenager just dealing with regular teenage life and then he finds out that he's also just this (laughs) superhero that you know it's not necessarily something he asked for but it's something that he kind of decides to embrace about himself and if we're also talking about killer soundtracks I think that that's another reason to check out Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse because one of my favorite scenes in that film it's when he kind of you know finally takes control of his powers and learns to embrace that part of himself and he's swinging through the city while the song What's Up Danger is playing in the background and that is probably one of 
the most masterful cinematic moments I've ever seen in an animation film. Maybe just in, you know, in movies as a whole. It's just, it's so beautifully and masterfully created. So yeah, my recommendation would have to be Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse because it's a film that everybody should see for a multitude of reasons. Yeah, I, I love that movie. I, I also it's so good. <laughs> I also have a um superhero movie to recommend. In my opinion, one of the most underrated um MCU movies, um, uh, which is Iron Man 3. Um, it's also part of my running joke that if Die Hard is a Christmas movie, then Iron Man 3 is a Christmas movie. We're not gonna get into that today. <laughs> um, I just had to <laughs> just had to throw that in there. Because for me, one of my favorite things about, like, one of my favorite kinds of superhero movies is ones where, like, you know, it, while they're, like, you know, superheroes, like, it's a very, like, grounded story. So I like, I like when, you know, because it's the kind of movie where basically he, for a decent portion of the movie, Tony Stark, he loses access to um, his Iron Man suits and kind of has to, like, rely on his own intellect and skills to like figure out this whole you know situation and eventually like you know save his girlfriend and everything and so it's all this like cool like you you get to see the character and also his like personal emotional struggles because there's also like this component of like he's suffering from anxiety so it's this really like real human like great human story that's within this huge like superhero world with also some like really like cool sequences and stuff and so yeah I just personally really love that movie it's also like you know like I mentioned with the whole you know anxiety like aspect of it it's something that's like very like personal and like relatable like for me um so yeah super underrated um I know it got a lot of hate when um it first came out but yeah 10 out of 10 would recommend that yeah I also really love that movie. Every Iron Man just is just near and dear to my heart. So I think it's good that you suggested that when it's underrated. Um, my suggestion is something that's not, I feel like it's, it's becoming more and more popular here in America. Um, uh, my movie is Demon Slayer Mugen Train. Uh, that movie is actually, fun fact, the most profitable film to be released in theaters during COVID-19. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it, it did numbers. It did really big numbers. Nice. Uh, the movie is kind of a continuation to the series by the same name, Demon Slayer. However, it's also its own self-contained story. So you can watch it with or without the context. It might be a little hard to kind of pick up the, the concept, but really, in reality, it's just these kids uh, are kind of forced to become Demon Slayers because, you know, they, they get something taken from them, you know, like whether it's their family or, you know, they just kind of fall into the situation um, and they they meet this sort of mentor character who is like one really cool <laughs> and two he's also very inspiring to them uh, it's just a beautiful film it's super emotional I did not expect to cry at this movie I don't cry at movies very easily but I was in the theater watching this crying and it's also a really interesting and unique up it was an interesting and unique opportunity to see anything anime genre on the big screen if you give these animators enough time and enough money to make something, it, it's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And it's honestly really exciting, kind of horror-esque. So fair warning, but it's 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 really it's it's a good watch. It's a great action movie watch, and I, I highly recommend it. 
Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Me too. Yeah, I haven't seen that specific one yet. So that's a good rec. All right, folks. I think I think that about wraps us up. Thank you so much again for joining us, Santi. It was so great to have you here. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Anytime. Yeah, we had a great time having you on. Yay. <laughs> and thank you everyone for listening. Um, again, I'm Emma. I'm Annie, and this has been another episode of Limelight, the Falcon Film Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you on our next episode.